Welcome everyone to Black Coffee and Theology. When my, I was having this conversation with my therapist and she said, tell me all your thoughts, you know? So I'm just like unfiltered going on and on. And then the word that stood out to me the most was that I said, the gift that womanism gave me and continues to give me is sisterhood. And I didn't know that that's what I needed. <laughs> and so I would say, yeah, like learning, because I'm continuously learning, you know? And when I look at my, um, my process on how I got to womanism, it it's literally like a miracle how it happened, you know? <laughs> um, but it is something that I didn't know I needed in my life. And through sisterhood, I have been able to see the face of God. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the pod. And I feel like this is a remix <laughs> um, because, hey, we have Carla back on the pod and we have Rose back on the pod. Welcome, ladies, queens, welcome. <laughs> Thank <Hey>. you. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> so, Carla Mendoza, Rose J. Percy, this is a delight, a treat. You all have been the most listened to podcasts from season one. I've got so many delightful comments about our conversation on the theology of softness. So I knew even outside of our group chat <laughs> and the conversations that we have, both funny and serious, um, shout out to Insecure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh that I had to have you back uh because the streets are hungry for a conversation so thank you for coming back here to thank the you for having us yeah. yes thank you so much yeah and so I will point uh new listeners to go back and listen to that conversation as a primer to our conversation today but uh one development from that conversation uh, that is interesting is, hey, <laughs> Rose J. Percy has her own podcast. So that is one development that is new. Um, <laughs> so Dear Soft Black Women is its own podcast. It's thriving. I love it. Um, so I will ask you both again to say a bit about yourselves and how you show up in the world. And there could be new things, uh, what's important to you. So I'll have Carla, you go first. What's important to you, friend? How do you show up in the world? Yeah. Sure. Um, well, so I'm Carla. I have lived in the US for almost 20 years. Nope, it's 20 years already. <laughs> <laughs> I have my experience in the U.S. is as an undocumented citizen so a lot of my worldview was affected and is seen through that 
I, but that's just like something that I experience. Who I am is I am an artist and the poet. Um, I'm a podcaster, a writer. Um, I am very silly all the time. And <laughs> Rose can attest. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can. what I do. <laughs> Um, but I, I enjoy music. I enjoy the arts. It's just like part of who I am. I, one of my toxic traits is that I, coffee is still part of my personality. I love coffee, but I am a little bit of a snob about it. And (laughs) Rose is like, okay. (laughs) Um, and what else? Well, and I love Jesus a lot, a lot. Um, recently my passion has been or something that I'm really interested in has been reading and learning in a way reconnecting to my Afro-Peruvian roots, um, just because that's something that I'm always aware of, but I never really have a way to get into it because the only Afro-Peruvians in my circle are is just my parent, my dad and my sister, you know? <laughs> so it's something that I have to be very intentional about, and that's what I have been spending my time on. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Rose, what is important to you? How do you show up in the world, friend? Oh, well, right now, um, I think I'm in a season of just like rediscovering or I don't know, I guess like the the, the, the social media language is like rebranding, but I, I hate that because we're not brands, we're people. <laughs> um, I think there is like this, this like way of essentializing your identity online because like the more specific your message and the more, um, it doesn't have to be nuanced, just specific. <laughs> it is that you're, you're trying to promote, the easier it is for people to follow and, and to expect the same thing from you. But I'm realizing I'm not built that way. I'm built to care about the things I care about um, and to go through seasons of shifting um, and realizing like my focus is just different in different seasons. Um, I think like for me, showing up as a soft black woman is still very important. And in this season, uh, I've realized that like part of claiming that identity is about learning and discovering new new ways to expand the imagination and to think through um, and to reconstruct your internal world, which is hard to do. Um, But I think like through that work is the possibility to shift the external world. And so like creativity is really important to me. And, and yeah, Um, recently, like I tweeted, just like create creative writing and public theology, (laughs) because I, I didn't realize I don't know. I didn't realize I was doing public theology <laughs> until, until people started listening. I think, I think before, um, when it kind of felt like I was talking to my friends and like a few people who I knew who like got it, I was like, okay, this is just me talking to people who know me. Um, but the more and more the podcast and the work that I do and the writing that I do, um, like resonates with people who, I, who don't know me from, from their next door neighbor or <laughs> person that they cross on the street. Like um, that to me has like really significantly changed like how I'm thinking about how I show up online. 
Um, but yeah, in terms of like vocational changes and shifts, um, like that's that's kind of like where I see myself going. Um, I'm still Haitian American woman, just turned 30 in December, you know, living into that 30 plus life, you know, where fruit is dessert. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say that, but it's true. I'm at that age where fruit is dessert. <laughs> not for Robert. Look at him. No, it's Robert. not true. It's true. <laughs> Anti-facts. <laughs> <laughs> or like you like analyze like, things for their fiber content and you're like, hmm. <laughs> no. Is it just me? Okay. <laughs> it's true for you. And I love that for you. Thank I love you. That. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, other things I'm thinking of are, um, yeah, I think right now the season, like I'm learning new depths of self-love and right now the theme is safety with myself, which is like a wild concept um, to realize that there are ways that like thought patterns and habits make me unsafe for me. And I'm just like, well, that's wild. Like that, that, that is a thing. Um, but I, in this season, I'm working to be, be safe for myself um, and to, in doing that, mirror what I look for in safety and relationships with others and things like that. So, yeah, that's me right now. Mm, I love that. Mm, safety. Uh, <clears throat> so on the table today to discuss is who is God to us in our softness. Mm. And this is part of the theme. This is part of a larger discussion of a theme that I am developing over season two of this podcast of who is God to us now. And I have wanted to take my time with uh, talking to predominantly people of color and sketching out who is God to us as people of color and using deconstruction, uh, if we can use that <laughs> language. And what does it mean to deconstruct as black and brown people, indigenous, et cetera? Huh. What does that mean to, uh, deconstruct as people of color and thinking about what does the faith mean to us now? What, who is God to us as we divest from certain faith spaces, certain theological traditions, because uh, most of the airtime in deconstruction spaces is given to white cousins. <laughs> um, so at first I was going to do a mini series of who is God to us now with a few people. And when I sat with that thing, I thought, no, I want my whole season two to kind of revolve around this thing. And then uh, I wanted to talk about who is God to us in our softness uh, and how does that show up in our working, our dreaming, our loving 
in our spiritual life with you all. <laughs> um, especially we have almost the softness bishop with us. <laughs> um, Forever going to call you that. Yes. <laughs> wow. The softness apostle with us, Rose J. Percy. <laughs> yes. And, um, and kind of sketch that out. Uh, and have a conversation about that. And to ground our time, I want to take a deep breath and just want to read a little something to kick off our conversation. And it's going to be from, you know, Morgan Harper Nichols. (laughs) So let's just take a deep breath. Um, Hmm. If there is ever a day when you are overwhelmed by a crowd of expectations and you are not ready to throw yourself on the line in the way those above you seem to want you to, may you know this to be true. You do not have to meet every every gatekeeper's expectations of you in order to show up in a way that is true. Amen. And so I think about uh, this line where she says, you do not have to meet every gatekeeper's expectations of you in order to show up in a way that is true. And I wanted to kind of ground our time in the ethic of that. And one, <laughs> if y'all have not gotten to Morgan Harper Nichols, <laughs> yes yes exactly rose is holding up her copy um this is from uh, a book of poetry all along you were blooming uh thoughts for boundless living y'all get into it <laughs> just tap in please uh i have been reading both uh of her collection of poems uh and I was arrested <laughs> by both works. Uh, I thought I was just going to be able to just get in, kind of plow through the poetry. <laughs> um, and uh, w- I think it's perfect to kind of start our conversation here related to softness. Uh, I, I, I was unprepared for Morgan Harper Nichols because uh, <laughs> when I got the first uh, work from her, uh, How Far You Have Come, it demanded that I slow down (laughs) Um, because each page, uh, (laughs) I cried on each page almost. (laughs) And and yeah, so uh, it demanded that I pay attention to what I was feeling in my body and my mind. what I was experiencing. Um, and then she has the visuals in, on each page. So I was done. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's a, I'm not getting paid to say that, but uh, Morgan Harper Nichols, tap it. Um, so as I open this dialogue, who is God to us in our softness and continuing the conversation that we had before 
what are some of your thoughts and how you've evolved in how God shows up practically in the way that you work? Yeah, and you're working. Uh, let's start it there. Like how practically do you see the reality of softness and God interplaying, intermixing. Um, yeah, let's let's start the conversation there. Carla. <laughs> either either one, y'all go. It's so funny because she always does this. She's like, Rose, you go first with her eyes. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, I, oh, answering this question, it's going to get me in my feelings, but it's okay. We're going to embrace it. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about like the conversation that we three had uh, at the end of last semester, which is also around the time we were talking about Insecure um, and mm-hmm. kind of sharing our final or like our thoughts on the finale. And, you know, like as you would expect with three soft humans on on a call together, it quickly turned into a time of like vulnerability and sharing. And like for me, um, it was interesting to just kind of be able to share um, like about my journey through seminary and the journey of like the books behind me. Um, so for those who can't see, I have like two bookshelves of books um, and like the story that I told was like a lot of those books were acquired over the course of like two years during the, like within the pandemic, um, part of which I, um, where I lived uh, at the earlier part of the pandemic was with a um, bunch of people from the church I was a part of, but one of them was a PhD student. Um, and what was interesting was just kind of like knowing, knowing his story, knowing, um, that like he came from a family that was um, that his father was a was a professor, um, had thousands of books, and he himself like around the house like had um, there were, like three bookshelves of like that were like over seven feet tall that were filled with books, and like we just kept getting more books all the time just for this guy, and like you know he was very generous about like sharing his resources and all of that, but. There was just something about like the visibility of like uh that you can tell that there was this like like part of it was inheritance but part of it was also just like cultivated from from purchasing and buying and all of that um and somehow i just got into the habit of being like hmm i i want i want books i've always wanted to have books but at that point i was like yeah i'm gonna start my collection now so i started buying all these books and um ended up with like <laughs> most of the books that are behind me um, but it wasn't until like after I moved out of that house and like really like sat with and thought about like the motivation for why, like why I decided like then and there was like the time. And it was like part of it was like trying to fill this void of like these books will represent or be the visual representation of like why I should be trusted and why my opinions should matter when I'm in a room. Um, they will represent uh, the credentials <laughs> that I need to to. Um, to be valid in certain spaces and all of that. And for me, that just like signaled a very lonely journey. Um, And one of the things like you shared, Robert, was like, 
looking around your room at your books like and seeing like a lot of them represent gifts that people had given you um and um like there's just so much care and community represented in your collection I was like yeah that's that's not my story and I, I want that to be my story I want to be able to see um the people who are behind me with like are, that, are, that they are represented in the collection that I have and that's kind of like where we you know it led the conversation led to not only uh, both you know Robert and Carla just like affirming me and, and bringing me to tears <laughs> and um reminding me that they're behind me but I was also encouraged to share my list of books that I want and um that's what I did and was able to fill one like whole shelf full of books that are representative gifts from people who like and to me that just like signals like wow like I I feel cherished um and that's such a hard word for me to process like that people who don't know me or um like can say like through an action like that we value your presence here on this earth like you don't even have to do anything more, but just be, and you can be received with love and care. Um, and I know that's like the whole, like, you know, premise of my platform, um, but it's, I think it's one thing to build a platform and intellectualize these concepts um, and continually advocate for that kind of care for others. And it's a whole other thing to go through it, like for yourself. Um, yeah. And so I think for me, that's kind of like where I see God showing up um, because I can actually like physically, <laughs> practically look at reminders when I forget because they're here. Um, they're here in the room with me. And so, yeah. Yikes. Um, uh, blah. Um, cheers. Uh, <laughs> Carla. <laughs> Okay, that's unfair because you get a pass on talking <laughs> while I have to talk yeah. in tears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, um, I need a second. Um, whew, okay. <laughs> Rose, you always get me. I tell this to Rose all the time. She's just out to get me. And every conversation we've ever had um <laughs> wow um I think recently I have been or it's not even a recent thought but maybe um something that is coming back to me um a long time ago somebody referred to God as my mother God you know, I grew up in the context of like God the Father all the time. And I, I wish I remember even when somebody said like, God, my mother. And it just like struck me as like something. One, I was so scared <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh, if what if I'm going to hell? I don't even, anyway, um, you know, this is like pre- like I'm still in the white evangelical church, all those things. Um, anyway, and recently, I think I have been maybe thinking about that word again, God is my mother. And I use God as my mother when I pray and I journal and I write. Um, 
But recently I read a book by Victoria Santa Cruz, who is an Afro-Peruvian poet. And she uses, and, and the whole premise of the book is about how everything in the world is rhythm. And it just like, she's a musician and, you know, she's a theater, she was a theater person. So she's just always thinking about rhythm. And in the middle of the book, she writes the words, what is to nourish and be nourished? And it just really struck me because I love that it's not one or the other. Like, it's not just like the expectation that you have to nourish um and that like that's all you do or it's not the other way that you're the only one who gets nourished and nobody else you know and I thought that was very communal and I wonder yeah I just was so um struck by that because I think in my life I've always experienced the nourishing to others um which is fan I'm so thankful <laughs> that it's like how I was created you know <laughs> to always be aware um of others but to be nourished is like even like saying it like you can hear my voice getting shaky you know um that's hard for me you know that's to accept that nourishing in my life and recently um a lot of things have happened in my life and it's so interesting to see the amount of people who are so committed to my nourishing, who are, and it's not even like big things, you know, it's literally like, Carla, I woke up and I was thinking about you and I heard this song and it made me think of you. And it's just like the smallest things to me. It's never been about like grand gestures for me, you know, <laughs> and Again, I'm reminded of God as my mother, God, my mother, um, who nourishes, who cares, who listens. Um, she provides in a way that is so different to the masculine energy that I always assume God was, <laughs> you know? And there's this sense of like, in my vulnerability and in my fear and my gentleness, I can fall apart in the presence of mother God and not be worried about, you know, any expectations and be nourished in that environment. And I think I see that in my community in the ways that they just show up <laughs> without asking. Sometimes I'm like, please leave me alone because I just want to cry by myself. But that's not true. I want to cry with you, you know? <laughs> mm. Carla, friend. Uh, I, it's interesting. I recently, it was uh, my birthday. Um, uh, so I'm a bit older, <laughs> a few more gray hairs uh, <laughs> uh, coming in. And uh, someone sent me a message and they said, <laughs> Carla, <laughs> are you trying to? Um, <laughs> and uh, they said, 
Um, I love how you are an evangelist for softness. And that so struck me and tickled me because I am, I'm unapologetic. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist for most things um, in the classic sense of the word, but I am ruthless. I'm trying, I'm climbing through your window, <laughs> snatching your peoples up for softness. Um, I'm unapologetic about, um, I want softness to win. I want uh, the very ethic that people feel uh, in a world that's bent towards cruelty. I've, I've said that so many times. I want softness to win um, and softness will save us, right? And part of why is, is, it's interesting that you said this, Carla, is because of the nourishing dimension that I see in God. And so when I think about who is God to us now, um, <laughs> I, I see softness all in and through God and the way that God deals with me, the way that God deals with humanity. That is what I have found. And the older I get, I only see more evidence of that. Uh, and that is what has changed me. Right. And, um, I think of that scripture, your gentleness has made me great. And I, I truly, 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 um, the framework that I'm operating from is, is seeing God as nourishing and almost cradling me and humanity. And I'm operating out of that framework. And so that can only produce softness, right? And so when I, when I say I have a, an ethic and a theology of softness, um, no, I'm not trying to be a warrior for Christ. <laughs> um, and before you, you know, before the one person, you know, hey, I have, you know, I know, I know the scripture you're thinking of. <laughs> um, and before you try it, don't. Um, <laughs> Um, I don't fight as one who beats the air either. Um, but um, even, listen, even the evils that we face, even the, the things that we must oppose, how does softness inform the ways that we must uproot wickedness? I think that way. How does softness inform the way that I must stamp out wickedness in every place of society. And so it informs the way that I work and informs the way that I um, uh, do advocacy work. It informs the way that I dream. Softness is the air that I breathe, right? And so I am unapologetically a man that is shaped in and through softness because I see that nourishing you you use that mother uh image I see myself cradled in love right and so if that's the image that drives me every day well that changes everything that that wasn't the original image <laughs> that I had in God and so deconstructing for me has been divesting um 
from the original image that was given to me. <laughs> Divesting from the original um, images, uh, the warrior for Christ, the domination for Christ image, um, <laughs> the colonizer of it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Are you going to end on colonizer? <laughs> and then to be like, thoughts. <laughs> That's mischievous, but I will allow it. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's Robert's whole personality right there in one statement. <laughs> you darn, you darn right. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole I'm gonna come into your home and snatch you up with softness. Like that name the most aggressive. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Um oh man, I was thinking about like how Jesus approaches the woman at the well and the burden that she had to carry, the aloneness that she um that she had to face because of like who like because of the, the ways that she had to operate in society like created social loneliness and isolation for her and Jesus offers her living water and um I recently had some let's take this like science test so I have like all this random science knowledge in my brain and like I'm trying to get it out <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, what use do I have for, you know, understanding how uh, covalent bonds work or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm thinking about like the uniqueness of water and how, like how water, how water works and, um, and how like, like, like the earth is 90% water. Our bodies are like more than 70% water. Like water is so important, so necessary and Jesus offers it to this woman at the well. And what is so interesting about the way that water works is like the way that the bonds of water um, are like are like strong enough to create a connection to flow, but are like weak enough to allow themselves to like be separated and dispersed into other things, which is like why it's like it can break down rocks over time and things like that. And like metals can rust and all this other stuff because water has like this, like, like water is soft. Like water is this element that because of its softness gives life to all these different things. Um, and yet like can be destructive and wild and all these other, you know, has all the other characteristics as well. But it's such an important element to what we need to survive. And so when I think about what Jesus offered, like, and I think about like what it could mean, oh my gosh, and like the release of freedom that the woman at the well had um, after that conversation to be able to go back and to say like, this is what I've received. Um, this is, you know, and, and to have that burden lifted off of her through that conversation. I think there's a, there's a beauty to softness that is like water. Um, I think there are ways that um, our theologies can shape us to think that the only way to deconstruct and to break to break things down is to go through the nuclear option, like just nuke everything. All these, <laughs> it's like 
Yeah. Um, but what we know from like nuclear, the way like nuclear, um, nuclear bombs work, like the radiation, um, the way that it harms the body and creates um, long-term issues for the environment, things like that. It's, it's just absolutely wild that we would choose that, choose the weapons like nuclear weapons in our conversations with others, like nuclear option in, in the ways we understand the job of deconstruction. Um, but it's like we think, um, how about we instead um, apply the gentleness of water and, and the living water and refreshing others and nourishing others and, give, and, and breathing life um, like through thinking about how water works um, as like a way of, of navigating deconstruction. And we will see that like what will break down and it needs to break down in order for something new to grow, it will happen like without having to um, aggressively like nuke everything. Um, I think there's like the beauty to thinking about just like how, how powerful it is to be offered a pathway to life um, that can sustain and nourish and, and grow. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think I say that to say that like softness, um, is not, it's not this, like this mode of passivity, um, that it could be misinterpreted as, but it is a powerful force because like I have watched and, in, and have been in conversations with people, um, who have either listened to the podcast or have been on the podcast who have said things like, wow, there's some things that I, would, I was doing that I wanna quit now because of this, because I've had this conversation because I've thought about these things. And all I really offered was like a refreshment. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't like, like let's um, dismantle white supremacy by like laying out the five points of like why this, the blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like it's a, it's a different framework. It's a different thing. Um, and I hope that analogy isn't too abstract, but that's kind of where my mind is lingering right now. You said, you said some things, friend. I, one on two things I'm thinking, one on navigating uh, deconstruction. I think the, the nuclear option, white cousins, come on in uh, if you're listening. I think often uh, what happens when all the airtime is given to our white cousins is, uh, <laughs> It feels often that the, the deconstruction model is the nuclear option, right? And so I've said this many times, it feels in white theological spaces, the people dominating the conversation are the white siblings. They're creating the theology, they're creating the systems of care and non-care. Um, they dominate all the airtime. And then when it's time to go, <laughs> they're creating all the conversations about the damage. And you're like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> we was damaged in the space and we didn't get to talk about, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, and then, then they're the same ones wanting to nuke the whole, they wanted to clear the club. And you're like, might I add, um, there's another, <laughs> there is another way. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, just nuke it all down, tear the whole place down. You're like, hey, <laughs> there are a couple other 
perspectives. Uh, <laughs> and so I like what you're saying. One, what I'm taking, part of what I'm taking from what you're saying is, what is a pathway that leads to life? Um, and what I, what I love about what Jesus offers is he's offering this living water. And, and some of what I like uh, of Black people deconstructing, we don't even call it that typically, um, what, because a lot of what we are leaving behind from church spaces, some of us are leaving Black spaces, um, and we call it something different. Um, and part of what we are, you know, and we're not, we not just destructing, deconstructing um, white evangelical spaces, we might be deconstructing white supremacy, which is often what it is. Um, and we are deconstructing models of harm, um, models of God that we're binding, right? We are looking for a life. We're looking for living water that will bind up the wounds. We're looking for balms uh, that will heal us. And so while you're over here trying to nuke the place, we're like, hey, we just want healing. <laughs> we, want, we want answers to these questions of theodicy. Um, and so we are not the same. <laughs> um, that's one. And then two... Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm sitting with cradling how do, yeah, how do you move forward in softness, especially as it relates to, um, sometimes people think of softness, I'll, I'll say this part, um, because you mentioned it, like the podcast and passivity, sometimes people will mistake seeing softness or seeing contemplative and they'll think that's opposed to action and they will say oh like I know you you don't get down like that because you're a contemplative you're soft and I'm like y'all <laughs> that's not what it means <laughs> um or they'll see me clap back at somebody on they're like <gasps> like I thought you were a soft person <laughs> y'all <laughs> softness is the mode and i want to make this very clear because you brought this up softness is the mode by which i approach the world my problems and the way that i receive from god that is not opposed to doing real life ground work and i want to say that again softness is not opposed to doing real life ground work because I am immersed in softness, what that does mean is that I take a pause and a beat and I ground myself in an ethic. Uh, for me, what that looks like is um, uh, contemplative prayer. Uh, what that means is thinking through, uh, working softer, not harder. What that means is thinking through the implications of my actions on real life human bodies and minds before I act and before I think. Uh, but that doesn't mean um, I don't get angry. So when people see me get angry, <gasps> aren't you the soft guy? Yeah. <laughs> Softness doesn't mean um, I'm a hippie. Um, like I, I'd be having feelings, right? So I just want to make that clear. Uh, 
softness means I open myself to all of the full range of emotions, right? And it's merely a ground, for me, it's a grounding, right? In uh, that that ethic of nourishment and nourishing. Um, and it's juxtaposed with the way that the world teaches you to handle things through your head first and by bucking up and trying harder, right? Like that, that for me, I wanna make clear because people are like, you should be an activist. You should be angry. You should be doing things um, all day. You should be, you should get up and you should try harder. No, <laughs> but on the outside, we might look the same, right? Um, I want to state that like, you can be an activist, you can be a preacher, you can be do and still have a soft ethic. Um, how you go about doing it might be different. Um, Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.